Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The book of Esther is an exciting and curious book. I'll tell you what I mean in just a second. This book has all the elements of a good book, has all the elements of a good movie, intrigue, deception, villain, love and romance, king and queen. This is a great book. Let me give you the cast of characters. We have the king of Persia who has one too many drinks, that is and is a drunken pushover. We have Haman, who is the second in command in the Persian Empire. He's the villain. And then Vashti, or Vashti, who is the queen of Persia and a woman of character and conviction. And then we have Mordecai. He was, is the adoptive father, mentor, confidant, first cousin to Esther. And, of course, we have the main character, Esther. She's an orphan girl being raised by cousin Mordecai. Esther, I want you to take your pen right here. Esther is a Persian name, and it means star. Hadashah is her Hebrew name, and it means myrtle. Esther is a Persian name. It means star, Hadashah. It's our Hebrew name, and it means myrtle. I told you that the book I mentioned earlier is a curious book because do you know that there is no mention of God in this entire book? There's no mention of God, Elohim, in this entire book, not once. New Testament writers never quote Esther. The book is named after Esther, but Esther didn't write it. We don't know who wrote it, maybe Mordecai, maybe Ezra, maybe Nehemiah wrote it. We don't know. But what we do know is the real author of the book and the main character of the book is God. Somebody say a better amen than that. And you can see God working behind the scenes. You're going to see it. You'll love this book. Let me give you just really, really quickly a backdrop, if you will. The Jewish people were taken into how many years of Babylonian captivity? You know that. And after 70 years in 536 B.C., Cyrus, the king of Persia, came to the throne. The Persians conquered the Babylonian Empire in 539 B.C. The Persians dominated for 200 years and then they were replaced by the Greeks. The Greeks would later replace the Romans. King Cyrus made a decree that all the Jews could leave Babylon and go back to their homeland to rebuild and restore. Which then, saints, brings us to chapter 1, 
And we got a lot of reading to do, so I'm going to try to fill in the blanks as we get going, uh, give you a little more history in just a second, okay? So let's just get to it. And uh, we're picking up in Esther chapter 1, and we're picking up in verse 1, Esther chapter 1, verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Now it came to pass in the days of Asherah, this was Asherah, who reigned over 127 providences from India to Ethiopia in those days when King Asherah sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all of his officials and his servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the providences being before him, when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. Let's stop right there. The story of Esther takes place in the ancient capital city of Shushan. And many Jews are scattered throughout 127 providences of Persia. Chapter 1, verse 1 tells us, it came to pass that Asherah, is king. Uh, in your margins in your Bible, you could write Asherah is Xerxes, King Xerxes. King Xerxes is the son of Darius, the grandson of Cyrus the king. His kingdom is huge. It goes from, we just read it, Ethiopia to India, from Libya to Pakistan. King Asherah throws a big party. We'll see it. You peruse with me throughout chapter 1. And this is kind of how we'll do it. We'll peruse through the chapters and then we'll pick up the high points. So King Asherah, right around, I don't know, verse 8, 7, 8, 9, 10, he throws a big party that lasts 180 days, six months. He's showing off, well, actually, that's in verse 4. He's showing off the greatness and the splendor of his kingdom. Now look at verse 10. On the last day of the banquet, the king was drunk. He demanded that his wife, Queen Vashti, peruse in there, Queen Vashti or Vashti, appear to show off her beauty. And she refused to be objectified by these men. And then look at verse 20. Verse 20, the king divorces her, which brings us then, saints, to chapter 2. Enters Esther and cousin Morty, Mordecai, or Mordecai, some people pronounce it. Esther chapter 2, we'll pick up, we're going to do quite a bit of reading here. Esther chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Now after these things, when the wrath of King Asherah subsided, he remembered Vashti, underline that, and she, what she had done and what had been decreed against her. And then the king's servants who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king and let the king appoint officers in all of the providences of his kingdom that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, into the women's quarters under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women, and let each beauty preparations be given to her and let beauty preparations be given to her and then the young women in verse four who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti this thing pleased the king and he did so now in verse five in Shushan the citadel 
There was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shammai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Remember that Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been carried from Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadashah, that is, who saints? Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and she was beautiful. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And so it was in verse 8, when the king's command and the decree was heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's place or palace, into the care of Haggai, the custodian, the eunuch of the women. And the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. And so he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides allowances. And then seven choice maidservants were provided for Esther from the king's palace. And he removed her and and her maidservants to the best place in the house for the women. Esther had not revealed her to her people in verse 10 or her family for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it, that she was a Jew. And every day, Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to Esther. Okay, saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So here we are in chapter 2, and I want you to go back to verse 1. Because in verse 1, it says, are you looking at verse 1? It says, after these things, after what things? Well, between the end of chapter one, are you listening to me say amen? Between the end of chapter one and the first three words of chapter two, four years have passed. Chapter two is four years later and the king remembered Vashti. It doesn't mean, listen, that he forgot about her because everybody knows you can't forget your ex. I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, but we're going to leave it right there, right? You can't ever forget that. It means, what does it mean, Pastor? It means he began to regret getting a divorce. He began to think, man, I let go of a beautiful woman. I let go of a beautiful wife, a faithful wife, and he's regretting it. It's during those four years that he invades Thermopylae with 700 ships, and the Greeks pounded his ships in the Battle of Salamis. And Xerxes sailed back to Persia. He returns to Persia. He's miserable. He's divorced. He's feeling rejected and defeated. And his administration says, hey, king, let's find your wife. They said, well, why don't we have a Miss Persian Empire contest? And enter Esther, the beauty pageant. She enters this contest and The Bible tells us she hid the fact that she was a Jew. Esther wins the pageant. The king is obsessed. She is the new queen of Persia. Look at chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. Let's just peruse it. Mordecai just happens. Are y'all following me? To be in the place at the king's gate. 
And he overhears that two thugs, look at chapter 2, right about verse 21. He overhears two thugs, Bictum and Teresh. You know what? Those names sound like thug names, don't they? Like, what's your name, homie? Bictum, bro. You don't want it with me. And Teresh, he sounds like a mobster, doesn't he? Bictum and Teresh plotting to murder the king. Well, Mordecai tells Esther, Esther told the king that Mordecai told her, Mordecai gets credit for saving the king's life. The thugs, 19 through 23, the thugs were hanged on a tree and it was recorded in the book of Chronicles. Brings us to chapter three in verses one through six. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite. You want to underline that? the Agite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants, in verse 2, were with the king's gate, bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not do what, saints? Uh, Or do what? Then the king's servant who was within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? And now it happened in verse four, when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, does that sound familiar? Haman was filled with what? He's angry. And he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai. Watch, watch, watch. He disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout all the whole kingdom of Asherah, the people of Mordecai. So the king, give me your attention learned that there was a contract out on his life. And it was Mordecai who saved the king's life. Chapter 3, verse 1, we're introduced to a new character, Haman. Haman is a Persian man who's been lifted up to serve the king. But there's very something very, listen, saints, there's something very different about this man. And Haman, actually, this statement is the key to the entire story. This next statement is the key to the entire story. Haman is an agite. Haman is an agite. And it's really interesting because Haman being an agite, everybody bows down to Haman, but Mordecai wouldn't bow. Now, does that make you think of the three Hebrew boys, Shaq, Rack, and Benny? That's veggie tales, y'all. Shadrach, Meshach, and who? Abednego, who refused to worship the image when they were thrown, and then they were thrown in the fire her furnace, remember? Uh, like Daniel, who refused to pray to Darius and was thrown in the lion's den. Mordecai refused to bow to Haman. Haman would pass by, and all the other flunkies would get down on their hands and their knees, but when he passed by Mordecai, he refused to bow. Now, in verse 4, the servant said, what is wrong with you? Why don't you bow? They asked him several times. Mordecai knew, write this down, Deuteronomy 6. Mordecai knew Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, anybody know, is one. 
Mordecai would say there's only one worthy of worship, the Lord, not Haman. Y'all say amen. And when Haman realized that Mordecai wouldn't bow down, he was upset. Now, Haman is the Hitler of the Old Testament. Verse six, I want you to look at it again. We learn Haman's problem. Watch this, saints, and keep in mind, Haman is an agite. We learn from verse six that Haman's problem was not just Mordecai. He hated all Jews. Haman was anti-Semitic. Look at chapter three and verse 10. Haman is called the enemy of the Jews. Can you hold your place and turn quick to chapter eight, verse one? Chapter 8, verse 1, we learn that Haman, again, is called the enemy of the Jews. Look at chapter 9, verse 10. Haman is called the enemy of the Jews. Chapter 9, verse 24, he hated all the Jews. Notice all the Jews. I think you get it. Haman is the enemy of the Jews. You know, I'll tell you something. People today, listen to me close. Look at me, please. You at home. People today do not have a problem with the church meeting. That is not the discussion in the world today. The problem and the, the, the discussion in the world today and the problem is people have a problem with Jesus. And y'all didn't hear me on this side, did you? People have a problem with Jesus. They don't have a problem with us gathering together. The problem is, why are we gathering together? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's just call it a peaceful protest. We're gathered together for a peaceful protest. It's not that we're gathered together. It is that we're gathered together in the name of Jesus People have a problem with Jesus and they have a problem with you because Jesus said, if they hate me, they will also hate. Am I right about it? Now, that's the bad news. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. You ready for it? Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Do it right. Do it right. Here's a, a more good news, more good news. Can you believe it? More good news. Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Put that pen down and clap those hands. Come on. Come on. You at home. Come on. We are more than conquerors because we're in Christ Jesus. The phrase more than conquerors. You want to write this down? The phrase more than conquerors means we keep on conquering. It actually means we keep on conquering to a greater and greater and greater degree. We keep on conquering or we are hyper conquerors. Hashtag hyper conquerors. I love it. We are more than conquerors. We are super abundant conquerors through Christ Jesus. And let me tell you this. Pharaoh found that out. Don't you know, Pharaoh found out that no weapon formed against God's people will prosper when he was chasing Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea. Hmm? Hmm? Joseph's brothers found that out, that no weapon would be formed against them will prosper when they put Joe in a pit. King Nebuchadnezzar found it out 
when the fire consumed his men. And Haman is going to find it out as the gallows will be built to kill the Jews. The gallows that he built to kill the Jews will actually kill him. Over, you know, my mama used to say, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. What y'all learn at church today? Pastor said, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. You know, folk like to dig a ditch for you now. I ain't talking about it in here because we're all loving Christians. But people like to dig a ditch for you. You better dig, dig two. Haman's building a gallow for the Jews. You better build one for yourself. Over and over and over, we're told that Haman, I told you to hang on to this, is an agite. Just write it down. Chapter 3, verse 1, we learned that. Chapter 8, verse 5, we learned that. Chapter 9, verse 24, we learned that Haman is an agite. We're told over and over, it must be pretty important. The Holy Spirit wants us to know that this is not some small detail. Why? Because we know from history, here it is, saints, that Haman hates Haman's hate and racism toward Mordecai and all Jews come from the fact that he is an Agite. We have to go back a thousand years. 1445 B.C., Jews are coming out of Egypt. It's in Exodus chapter 17. And they're leaving Rephidim and the Amalekites attack them. The Amalekites were the descendants of anybody you know? Esau, the one who sold his birthright. The Amalekites attack the Jews and God curses the Amalekites, Deuteronomy 25. It's 400 years later. King Saul conquers the Amalekites and God told Samuel to go and tell Saul to kill all the Amalekites, men, women, boys, girls, Uh, A dog, cat killed, a goldfish kill everything. Kill anything that is connected with the Amalekites. Don't leave a trace, God said. Saul allowed the king of the Amalekites, King Agag, to live. Remember, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. There's your homework. Read it in your own time. Samuel comes to Saul and he said, Saul, did you do all the Lord commanded? And Saul said, absolutely. Samuel said, then why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? Samuel looks over and he says, and who's that guy? Saul said, oh, that's King Agag. I thought I'd keep him for trophy to torture him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 32, Samuel said, bring Agag to me. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces in Jesus' name. As the, as the kids say, that was gangster. <laughs> Hacked him to pieces. Now, the Canaanites, listen to this. I'm going somewhere. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Agites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and all the other ites, in Scripture, they represent sin and the flesh. Write that down. The enemies of God's people. When they went into the land and they had all of the battles that they had to endure among all the pagan peoples, they represent sin and they represent the flesh in the Bible. Agag represents the sin and the flesh. The Bible tells us as believers that we are to do what with our sin and our flesh. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are to, where y'all at this morning? That we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh. 
The Bible does not tell us to go to rehab for our flesh. The Bible does not tell us to reform our flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us to do anything to our flesh but to kill it. Don't reform it. Don't resurrect it. Kill it. The Bible says put it to death. Now watch this. The curse on the Amalekites was a thousand years ago. And hacking to pieces the king of the Agites was 400 years ago. Haman, listen up, got to get this. Haman knew his family's history. He knew it was a Jew who killed his family member. And in chapter 2, verse 5, we learned Mordecai is a Jew, the son of Kish. Kish is from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is of the line of Saul. Get it? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.